and welcome to this latest edition of CGI's Insurance Podcast, where we're going to be exploring career journeys in insurance. I'm Chantal Constable. I'm Head of Growth for our um, insurance practice, and I'm really pleased to welcome uh, Louise Day, um, COO of the IUA, to our latest CGI Insurance Podcast, where we're going to explore career journeys in insurance. Morning, Louise. How are you? Good morning, Chantal. I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. So, um, uh, COO of the um, International um, Underwriting Association now, I suppose the question people must always ask is, where did you start and, and, and what did you do? Well, I actually started as a COBOL programmer for what was then the Inland Revenue back in 1989. Um, and I never imagined a career in insurance, which I imagine a lot of people could say the same on that one. Indeed, indeed. I think when I look back to my fine art degree um, back in the day at Norwich <laughs> Art School, little did I think that I would find myself in a, in a technology career in, in financial services and insurance. So we find many routes, don't we, to, to the end result. So, um, so, so explain to us sort of how you approached that kind of first step in your career and, and, and the kind of um, the, the jobs that you did and, and the approach you took. Yeah, sure. I suppose I... When I first started after leaving university, I was really ambitious. I'd met my husband soon after I finished. And basically it was, well, if you want to move in with me, then you need to have a job, which is when I started looking seriously and got the, the job in computer programming. Uh, and then I spent, I've always been had a light hand. I volunteer for absolutely everything. So if my boss said, oh, we've got this going on, who wants to do it? I'd say, I'll do it, I'll do it. And it meant I got to try lots and lots of different things. And um, I was even the cheeky monkey who, after working there for two years, said, I'm doing the job of the grade above me. You should give me a promotion. Uh, <laughs> his response was absolutely brilliant because he said, well, you know, actually, I'm protecting you from quite a lot of what you'd be doing in that next level up. But yeah, sure, I'll, I'll look into it. And so I had him as a magnificent champion, really helpful, taught me the art of saying no, a constructive no, which was really useful. But I, I still would always volunteer for different things. And the great thing by doing that was I learned more and more about the things that I enjoyed and wanted to do and discovered some of the stuff that perhaps I wasn't so interested in. So, yeah, that was absolutely a fantastic start for me, having a, a great boss who championed me to other people and let me try whatever I wanted to do. I think that's I think you've hit on two really good points there it's like being open to new opportunity like saying yes when I think about you know how I started off in the world of work I started mm. off in conferencing um, and that's how I got to learn about financial services and and actually being open to opportunity not being so prescriptive about what you think you're going to want to do because actually it's about finding out maybe some of the bits that you don't enjoy so much that make you turn up and dial up the good stuff the things that you really do enjoy and having yeah. that ability to have that little bit of self-awareness having a coach that can you know push back a little bit and go appreciate that ambition but actually you know maybe you're not seeing that big picture and having that sounding board early on but yeah but just being open to that opportunity means you get to do we get to find out about careers that you didn't even know existed and roles that you didn't even know were jobs yeah that's it I had no idea I mean let's be honest in 1989 most people who were computer programmers had got into it by accident so I've got a bit of history mm -hmm. of, of moving around by accident but I did the 
I actually plotted my route, what I would need to do in order to be running the inland revenue um, in 20 years time. But then um, children came along and I was the main breadwinner. It was my husband in the end that gave up work to look after our boys. But I... I describe it as I managed my career then for the next probably 12, 14 years where I I took the other opportunities. I changed jobs. I moved around, uh, again, taking my technical and by then project management skills with me. I tried other industries. I moved around in financial services, but I didn't take the big promotions. I had a theory then, which was I'm not selling my soul to any company. Uh, and it, it worked really well. I've got a really good relationship with my two boys. I don't like admitting that actually in a couple of weeks' time, one of them's going to be 30. But I was around for them in a way that I think a lot of people sacrifice their relationship with their children in order to have the ambition and the career. I think it, when I when I think about when I've spoken to, to other women and, and try to plot my own journey, one, it, it's hard to find a lot of those role models that are open and willing to talk the way you are today, which is fantastic. But it's also that realisation as you, you can have everything, right? You can have the amazing career and the family and, you know, that the self, the interests and the, 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 the broader life outside of work. It's just really hard to have it all at once. And so yes. almost go easy on yourself and work yes. out what you're priorities are for the time of life you're at now for the time of career you're in now and know that it is a journey it doesn't have to be everything all at once and I think once I realized that and eased up on myself and my expectations I enjoyed it a lot more both home and and the career journey as well so um so I think that's the best advice I was ever given realizing you can have it you can have it all but just not all at the same time yeah oh absolutely and utterly and I think anybody that believes in superwoman they're they're misguided because there are uh, there are people that present as a superwoman they've got it all and they do it all now but they've usually got a team of people helping them it's not just a couple Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think that's when you think about to the, the kind of the, the special, the secret sauce the, to, to the career ingredients that, that got us to where we are. And I think support is something we discussed um, when mm. we were planning this podcast, yeah, and finding your cheerleaders, those people that can sing your praises, but also that you can go to in times of decision and times of planning. I don't know how you found that. Louise in in your career I've been really lucky because I've as I say at different times it's something I've never heard of before it's I think it's emerged really in the last five to ten years the concept of a sponsor Mm. so you can have coaches who will help you with skills that you need you can have mentors that will help you look at what do you enjoy what do you want to do next what's a good decision for you to make but sponsors you can't arrange them those are the people that will stand up for you and say, oh, I know somebody who might be good at that. I'm, have you thought about so-and-so? And I have been so lucky to have some really fantastic male sponsors at different times. I can remember having an issue with a, a senior woman in the Inland Revenue. And again, you go back to the late 80s, early 90s, um, mm-hmm. you still had to be do the do things the right way to be accepted now she'd gone through her career having to act like the men and be a man and there she's watching this young 20 something year old who's who's prancing around the office in her short skirts and everything and 
she was nasty to me. And that's something that changed me. But as a result of her being nasty to me, I was called into the office of the guy that was running the the department I was in. And I was dreading it. And what he said to me is, well done. She was behaving really badly on that. We're going to put you on our advanced leadership program. And it's she turned it around for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And when I think back, you know, um, you know, starting out with sales career is how I got into financial services and in, in software sales, which is kind of a brilliant yeah. place to learn your craft. But, you know, in my 20s, similar to you, the only woman on the team, um, mm. surrounded by some great, you know, highly ambitious <laughs> salesmen um, you know, hired in to sell the next generation of product. And actually showing that ambition, asking the questions, sticking close to them, learning what was good, learning what I thought wasn't good it meant because I showed that ambition when it came to job offers for job number two and job number three Mm. they found me I didn't have to go and find them I was taking calls from where those sales guys had moved on or or someone you know then someone had asked them you know we're looking for for a young sales account executive who who do you want they said well you know Chantal's pretty determined she will make her number one way or another (laughs) and it's that it was that kind of hunger but also that network that was really important I think and and fostering that over my career has been something I've had to work harder at as I've got older, busier, more, more people <laughs> to stay connected with. But I think that network, both of, of sponsors, but also, you know, people who have seen your heart, your good work and can can open those doors for you is something that I wish I'd almost invested in more now looking back than I than I did um, when I when I didn't realise it was a network. And, and that's what it was called, really. Yeah, How did you find the sort of network, Louise, and what it's well, done for you over the years? I, th- I think you something you've said there really, I don't know, appeals to me. And that is network, because networking used to be a dirty word. Then mm. I discovered that actually my network and my friends They're the people that I've stayed connected with and everything because Mm. I like them. Now, they might have started off as a work connection, but exactly what you said, I can remember um, relatively recently, I suppose it would have only been about uh, eight, nine years ago, um, I I was looking for contracting work. And when I discovered I was approached by a, a consultancy and I discovered that the uh, company they're working for is where my old boss had gone to and I said oh well if you want somebody to give me a reference ask him he's your head of IT global IT and of course by the time I turned up it felt more like a coronation than actually a job interview <laughs> <laughs> because he had sung my praises so highly and we had worked together so well in fact he was the first boss I ever had that was older than me i uh, sorry younger than me And having been the much younger boss a couple of times with people, it was really interesting working with somebody who was very ambitious, very bright, but maybe slightly less experienced than I was. And we worked together so well because he played to my strengths. He gave me opportunities. There was no sort of bitterness. And he listened to advice sometimes as well. He was one of my top three bosses ever. 
Brilliant. And it's interesting how you said the two things there is that you gravitate towards the people that you've enjoyed working with and they become your friends and your network. And I think um, part of that is is understanding what makes you tick and uh, working out your why. And we discussed this. If you work out what your purpose is, you're going to gravitate to organisations and to people that sing to those kind of core values that you've got. And and I'm seeing and hearing this more and more. I was at InsureTech's Insights conference um at the start of march and all of the super senior keynotes that are inspirational leaders all talked about finding out their you know working out their why and understanding their purpose and how they use that to inspire teams and actually it's made me reflect even more around my own journey and how almost unwittingly you gravitate mm. to the people that make your heart sing and the work that makes your heart sing. And actually, you know, that helps you be authentic, but, um, but it's a really important thing to reflect on, I think, as you go through your career journey. Have you found that, Louise? Oh, goodness me. Yes. Um, I'm really fortunate now to be doing a, a role that I absolutely love. Uh, I tell people I've never stayed in one place as long as I've stayed at the IUA and mm. I, I love variety and change. I love learning new things. I don't mind not being the expert in the room. I've spent too long as a project manager working with people way more talented and skilled than I am or ever will mm. be in the areas they're good at. And I, yeah, I guess my why, I, it's, I like to think it's changed over the years. At different times, there's been different balances and everything. But actually, I, I care. I mm. love people. I love having influence. I love being positive. And I always hope people go away from an encounter with me feeling better in some way. And it may not always be an easy encounter because it's not always easy. Sometimes you have to say things to people that don't necessarily make them comfortable or happy. But at least they go away thinking, well, she handled it well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, definitely. That's terrifying. Yeah. But also that energy that you have when you hear it in this conversation is, is I think, what sparked us. We haven't known each other long, but, you know, when you meet someone that's just got that same energy, the creativity, yeah. the passion for what they do, you find that common ground. And for me, it, a career in financial services and especially that and change, which invariably mm. means technology, is, is what makes me tick. And I love finding clarity and distilling clarity out of complexity. And that's what a career in financial services and now insurance has offered me. And when you think about technology and everything it has to offer with regards to solving a lot of the challenges out there, both in business and if we think, you know, more environmentally, socially, we're seeing technology become the answer. It's a fab place to be and and it's hard to get bored, isn't it? When you're surrounded by so much exciting change. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, again, how your story about yourself changes over the years, because I love problem solving. And I, first of all, in code, you know, why won't this piece of code run and fixing that then in projects, helping uh, negotiate uh, difficult situations or, or conflict and everything. But I always said, oh, I'm terrible at strategy. I can't do strategy. And then I realized actually strategy is just bigger problems. So I've gone from helping in a company, solving wider things, setting up teams and fixing things, making them run better. And I am so lucky now. I'm getting to work on solving the problems of a whole insurance market. Not many people are lucky, as lucky as I've been, I have to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, and I think you're right. You know, that strategy is the linking of, you know, it's, it's a chain of problem solving. Yeah. Yes. And and so I think, you know, for you, um, what, what makes it so exciting to be not just in insurance, but but in London and in the London market? And you are talking to the woman who said, I would never work in London. I do not understand why anyone would work in London. And I don't have the easiest commute because I don't live somewhere that's easy for commuting to London. But it was something in the energy. When I first started uh, doing work in London, I was put on a project where I was doing two or three days a week up there. And there was an energy and a buzz about working in the London insurance market that I'd never experienced anywhere before. That that feeling of being part of something much bigger. So as you're walking across London Bridge in the morning and you've got talking to a few people on the train when you realise when things aren't going well and you go, oh, goodness, are we going to even get there? And you realise it's the same people every day because we only had one direct train up in the morning. And you realise that a lot of the people walking across London Bridge are either in insurance or working in an industry that is supporting the uh, the insurance industry. So they might not work for an underwriter or a broker, but they could be working in a consultancy or in a software company or recruitment agency. And suddenly this is something big and you're insuring things. And our, our purpose in the insurance market is to pay claims. So we are there to help people get their lives better. And I have to say now, even cancelling my one direct train a day, they haven't stopped me from the passion for working in London and working in the London insurance market. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think having moved from from retail banking into insurance, I genuinely yeah. believe that insurance can be a force for social good. You know, we 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 have yes. a responsibility to to help people manage risk, and so that's an exciting prospect. So I think um, I would implore anyone who is is considering a you know a, a technology career or, or their next move to to look at insurance because it's ever changing. There's never been a more yeah. exciting time to be either in the London market. Right. or in the general insurance market with insurtechs coming up. So, exactly. so and, I'm, about, I'm, I'm excited about the future. I'm sure you are too. Oh, God, yeah. Because I think the other um, misconception about insurance is the fact that it's all about underwriting or broking. And it's mm. not. There are so many opportunities. I've, I've looked back sometimes and thought, if only we'd thought of the army advert, advert before that had come out for the army. Because anything you want to do, you can find a place to do it in insurance. You can bring your expertise, your skills, your fine art degree, or in my case, economics degree. And there's yeah. something you can apply it, apply it to. And whatever your passion and what you love is, there will be somewhere it will be needed in the insurance market. Indeed, indeed. Well, I think the future's bright. Um, I am, I'm really excited about what, what's coming down the track. And I hope this has been a little bit of an insight for, for anyone listening as to why we're so passionate about insurance, why it's a great place to work and why it's, um, it's going to have a great and glittering future. So, um, Louise, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our discussion. Thank you, Chantal. I have as well.